2: Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Oh, like because when I shot I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of this. So.
1: You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours!
0: We're going to the overtime of the Hail Mary 3 by O.P. Get that cabbage out of here! Uh
2: uh uh Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode Number 968 of Locked On Raptors for Thursday, June the 17th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show as well, at Locked On Raptors, where you can find links to every single episode of the podcast. Also, please make sure to check out the entirety of the Locked On Podcast Network, because we got tons of stuff cooking for you, covering the NBA playoffs, the NHL playoffs, which are down to the Final Four. You've got the baseball season going strong. And of course, football never really stops. It's always part of our lives, like it or not. Uh, So go and find the Lockdown Shows covering the teams you like, and you will get the same local coverage from a dulcet-toned host like me on all of your favorite teams. So go and check them out. All right, on today's show... We're talking about the NBA draft, baby. The draft lottery is just five days away, and we are going to dig into it with today's guest, who is one of the hosts of the Locked On NBA Draft podcast and is the founder of NBA Draft Junkies. He's Raphael Barlow. It's a ton of fun. He's fantastic. He is super duper smart and uh, helps to inform a draft dum-dum like me all about the players that could potentially fit with the Raptors in this year's draft should also note that today's show is brought to you by Michelob ultra at 2.6 calories and 95 cal 2.6 carbs that is in 95 calories it's only worth it if you enjoy it stay tuned for the ultra moment of the week segment coming up a little later on in the episode before we get to Raphael also, before we get to Raphael, which is going to come up in just a few minutes here, uh, just a couple of housekeeping items. Uh, part two of my chat with Raphael is going to go tomorrow, by the way. Today's show, we get into Cade Cunningham. Uh, we get into uh, Evan Mobley. We get into Jalen Green mostly uh, and sort of general fits for the Raptors and how they would work. And, you know, if the Raptors do luck out and move up in the draft lottery, what can they expect from those prospects? Uh, tomorrow, we also dig in a little bit to Jalen Suggs, who's part of that top tier of the draft. And then we talk a lot about the guys who could potentially be there at 7-8. We dig into Moses Moody. We dig into Kai Jones, who I took in this week's Lockdown NBA Mock Lottery Draft. We get into uh, Keon Johnson, a bunch of other guys in that range didn't want to spoil it all Uh, Raphael is gonna come on the podcast again hopefully once or twice maybe more times because he's wonderful and generous with his time Uh, he's gonna come on before the draft we're gonna dig into second round prospects which is where he really makes his bones he's great with European prospects as well and overseas guys so uh, you'll be hearing more from Raphael in the time leading up to the NBA draft which is very exciting uh, as we kind of really lean into draft coverage here for basically the balance of the next month and a half barring some news and stuff and fun little episodes here and there Um, so yeah that's that's so we have to look forward to today and tomorrow. Also to look forward to is Tuesday night's NBA draft lottery watch party. It's going to be a ton of fun. We got uh, more than a dozen people now locked in to be part of the watch party. Hopefully we get some more. Hopefully we get some more donations. We're over a thousand dollars now committed to the International Residential, sorry, Indian Residential School Survivors Society, as well as the Islamic Relief Palestine Emergency Fund. If you uh, send me a donation of 25 bucks or more to one or both of those charities, you will get access to the uh, fun little watch party we're doing. We're going to do some trivia. Raphael said he might pop by, and we were talking off air today. He might pop by uh, into the draft lottery chat after the results are in. We're going to give away some prizes. We're going to do some Q&A. Vivek's going to hang around. Katie's going to be there. Kelsey O'Brien's going to pop in. It's going to be so much fun. It's going to be the place to be on Tuesday night, and I really, really hope to hear from you there. So that is what we got cooking. Uh, I'm going to step aside and get out of the way in just a second here, and we'll get to the conversation with Raphael Barlow, again, where we talked about all sorts of things about the top of the draft and the sort of... You know, the excitement that Raphael has as someone who loves the Raptors as a developmental orga- organization, uh, his excitement for a lot of these prospect- prospects to potentially land in Toronto. So that's a fun little angle of today's chat, too. Before we get to that, we should run through today's Michelob Ultra moment of the week. And look, it's two years to the day. Since I remember standing at the intersection of Bremner Boulevard and York Street and sort of waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. waiting and waiting for the arrival of the raptors parade uh they were behind schedule we thought we picked a good spot like early in the route comparatively since they started at the x uh we thought we were smart well yeah we're way ahead of the game here that was not the case whatsoever we had to wait many hours my poor grandma was standing on her rickety feet uh thirsty as hell because she didn't want to pee and miss the parade going by so she wasn't drinking any water um it was a Very hot, very uh, insane day, but then they came by. My grandma got doused in champagne by Norman Powell. Uh, Mark Gasol did his noodle arms dance uh, (laughs) and almost fell off the bus about nine times until Eric Morland saved him. We're still looking back at that parade as something delightful, and it's also really, uh, I think, sobering to think of that happening just nine months before the pandemic and the thankfulness that I have for The Raptors winning the title before the world went to garbage is it's never going to go unforgotten. It is just uh, I'm super, super thankful that that's how it all went down. And we got to experience that with the millions and millions of people. It was uh, a wonderful day, minus, the, of course, the, the shooting that took place, which was also terrifying, and I remember kind of being in the crowd for that, too, and that was uh, truly frightening. But then I ran into Katie Heindel, which was a delight as well, and uh, we had some good times uh, celebrating. I believe that was the first time I ever met Katie in person was at the uh, draft lot, uh, at the parade as well. So big, big milestone two years ago. Doug Ford got booed. That was beautiful. It was a wonderful time. You got Kawhi doing the, the ha-ha-ha laugh. Uh, it was all just so, so wonderful alcohol and desserts i can't really think of a better ultra moment to honor today as we look back at the parade two years ago it was just the freaking best uh all right with that in mind we will move on and uh, again say a huge thank you to Michelob Ultra for being here, bringing joy, happiness, and enjoyment to the podcast. Uh, 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Joy creates success, and enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the whole game with Michelob Ultra. And boy, was there some enjoyment going down at the Raptors championship parade. Your Ultra moment of the week. Thanks to Michelob Ultra for sponsoring the podcast. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow alternate routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to alternate routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. All right, we're going to get to the chat now with Raphael Barlow and dig into Cade Cunningham. Evan Mobley, Jalen Green, the Raptors as a landing spot for a top prospect, all of that stuff. It's a great, great chat. Hope you enjoy it. Uh, Before we get to that, just a reminder that our road to the finals is brought to you by Michelob Ultra as well. And at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the playoffs a little bit more this season. Be sure to check out all the great Locked On podcasts covering your still existing playoff teams. I'm sure things are a little bit dire on Locked On Sixers today, for example. Go check it out. Now let's get to the chat with myself, Raphael Barlow, part one of two, part two drops tomorrow. But today we talk about the top of the draft. If the Raptors were in fact to get wonderful lottery luck, here's what might be in store. All right, joining me now on Locked On Raptors to talk all about the draft, to wishcast a little bit of what the top of the lottery might hold for the Raptors if they do in fact move up this coming Tuesday in the draft lottery. It is the founder of NBA Draft Junkies and one of the hosts of the Locked On NBA Draft podcast. He will be one of the faces of our Locked On NBA Draft coverage as well, which you'll get more details on in the weeks to come. It is Raphael Barlow.
0: Raphael, how's it going, man? everything is going good. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to this episode and talking NBA draft for one of my favorite teams as far as development. So this is uh, something I'm looking forward to.
2: Yeah, it's a it's an interesting year for the Raptors because it's been like a long time and I was telling you this off air like it's been a long time since I've had to care about the draft like even when they had the ninth pick when they had the Knicks pick from the Bargnani trade back in 2016. I want to say it was like it wasn't exactly a sexy draft. It was like Marquise, Chris, or Jakob Purtle were going to fall to the Raptors at nine, and they were going to take whoever was there. Obviously, the Siakam thing is uh, is a whole other ball game. I guess that was the 17, 18 season. I can't even recall now. I th- it, who knows? It's it all like such it's a blur. In a while.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. So, you know, it's kind of nice that I get to dig into it again this year, and I'm, you know, admittedly, not the best when it comes to evaluating prospects. It's not my full-time job. And it very much is a full-time thing to be really good at it. And you are one of the best. So very glad we can get you on the show today. Uh, we're going to dig into a whole bunch of different things. Um, sort of top of the lottery, 7, 8, 9, that sort of range. I uh, got a couple of listener questions in as well that we'll probably work in here too. Um, but for you, Raphael, you know, this draft has been very hyped. It seems like the top five or is kind of considered to be a pretty special top five. Uh, you know, just kind of in my cursory research kind of going through the guys in the Raptors range around seven. I'm pretty excited about a lot of guys there, too. And it it just seems like there's a lot of super interesting, super fun and sort of, you know, potentially good players available in the top parts of this draft for you. You know, how would you sort of evaluate it overall? Do you feel like it is sort of top heavy? Are you as intrigued by the sort of middle late lottery guys as I am? What's your sort of overall read on the way this draft is looking just from a talent perspective?
0: I think the talent is really high. I felt like a lot of people were looking forward to this draft, even back two or three years ago, and they thought that 2020 was a weak class, which, you know, in my opinion, 2020 class has been pretty strong. So this class has been hyped for years, and um, I think that, you know, the top five is pretty much set in most people's eyes. But what makes this draft so interesting from a talent perspective is – I say pick 6 through 14 can be interchangeable. You're starting to see right. a couple names that, you know, like Scotty Barnes, for example, he's the guy that you're seeing the most outside of the top five. Other than that, I mean, I, I think it's going to be a wild night on draft night because there's not a lot of difference between 7 through 14 and even 15 through 30. So, right. yeah, I'm expecting a wild night.
2: Yeah, um, and that, you know, is encouraging to hear that that sort of range is very interchangeable if you're a Raptors fan and you're thinking about, you know, life and potentially the seventh, eighth, ninth spot. If bad luck befalls them, you know, and team, teams jump them, you know, nine, ten, I guess is as low as they could go. Uh, but let's talk about it the other way first and, and talk about the, you know, the very possible hypothetical that the Raptors move up in the lottery. I believe the odds are, as it stands, the Raptors have like a, 7.5, a 7.5% chance to move up to number one, seventh best odds, of course and then 31.9% chance to move into the top four, which is not nothing and is pretty intriguing for a team that hasn't been in the lottery, high in the draft in a very long time, hasn't really had a chance to add a lottery-level talent. You know, they've done this thing, you know, they were famously the team that won a title with no player drafted higher than 15th, but, you know, you don't want to always make your bones doing it that way, and it's a lot easier. It's a bit more of an express path to being good if you can get a top-of-the-lottery-level talent. And there are, there are those in this draft, to be sure. So let's start with Cade Cunningham, Raphael, because he's the one everybody wants. He's the number one pick. There's really, you know, not a lot of debate about that, it seems. You've argued on your site that he's not only the top prospect, but also the best shooter in the draft, which is pretty intriguing. And just hypoth- like, hypothetically looking at what a Raptors team with Cade Cunningham would look like pretty exciting like they, they kind of seem like they have a perfect spot there I kind of view the two Raptors the Raptors two biggest needs as being you know a scoring wing who you can slot between OGN and Obi and Fred Van Vliet who can kind of juice up the half-court offense a bit because that is a bit of a struggle with the guys the Raptors have in tow right now you know maybe push Pascal Siakam into the number two role he's probably more suited to being in and you know there's lots of guys who might fit that bill and Cade Cunningham is certainly one of them who he's a six foot eight shooting guard who can handle the ball and would kind of of just push everybody down the rung of responsibility and I think kind of solidify the Raptors core in a really really excellent way do you view that fit you know as, as seamless as I do and you know if the Raptors were to jump up to number one would that excite you just as someone who likes to watch you know players play for good teams in terms of just like the fit from a franchise you know positional need from the development that you've talked about uh, you know does that sort of intrigue you as a potential landing spot for Cade if the lottery balls fall that way on Tuesday?
0: Oh yeah, without a doubt. I feel like if I'm a prospect or even if I'm an agent, the situations that I will want my client in would be obviously Golden State would be at the top Mm -hmm. of the list because I think they'll be able to compete, but even there, it could be a situation where your guy might not play that much or Toronto. I feel like Toronto is the ideal spot because you don't have to come in and be the man right away. Yep. You have a good coach in Nick nurse, who I've been a fan of Nick since he was the head coach of the Iowa energy back in, Hmm. man, I want to say about 10 years ago, I used to work in the G league. So I had a chance to watch, you know, his teams up close and he was very creative on offense. Then like Mm -hmm. every year, his point guard, like either led the league and assist or, and, So I've always been a fan of his work. So then you still have Van Vliet, you have OG, you have Pasco. So if you're a rookie, you go to Toronto, you're going to go play with a championship coach. In my opinion, the best GM, and you don't have to come in and carry the franchise. You can develop and learn. And I think they should be able to compete for the playoffs, depending on what happens with Kyle Lowry. So I don't see the Raptors in the, in the lottery a lot going forward. So Mm -hmm. if I'm an agent, I'm, I'm hoping I can get my, my client to Toronto. And So I'll set all that to say this. For Cade, it is the perfect fit because, like I said, if he goes to, let's say he goes to Oklahoma City, you right. can make a case and say he's going to be the face of the franchise right away. There'll probably be a lot of pressure on him in a sense because he went to school in the area. If he goes to Orlando, same thing. If he goes to, I don't know, Houston, They're going to be looking for him to be the face and replace James Harden, which is tough to do. If he goes to Toronto, it's not going to be as much pressure. And even if he averages, let's say 15, five and five as a, as a rookie, it won't be considered a disappointing rookie year. Sure. If He does 15, five and five in Houston. Then, you know, people are going to maybe have some questions, but 15, five and five in Toronto and more than likely they're going to be competing for a playoff spot. So, I would love that fit.
2: Me too. Uh, I think it'd be pretty awesome, especially considering the only other time the Raptors picked number one, uh, they got Andrea Bargnani. I, I feel like that might also cushion the landing for Cade here as well. <laughs> the, like the comparisons always being to our boy Bargs. Uh,
0: <laughs> I liked him in um, Toronto. I really at one point <laughs> that one team where they had him and Bosch, and I felt like they were a little bit ahead of their time because he was shooting sure. threes. And yeah. it caused some matchup problems for, you know, for a lot of bigs. And imagine that team with that style of play in today's game. I think they would have been a lot better.
2: Yeah, they they lost the plot when they started playing him at the three next to Bosch and Jermaine O'Neal. There yeah. were some there, there was some potential there, but <laughs> as most things happened in the late 2000s with the Raptors, it uh, it went off the rails. Um, back to Cade. G- 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 uh, back to Cade. G- G- so. You know, thinking about the fit with the Raptors, like I said, I kinda of laid it out why it'd be sort of perfect. And I guess I get I want to get a gauge for what kind of prospect Cade really is. Obviously he's a number one prospect, but not not all number one prospects are made equally. We just talked about Barnani. You know, you see, you know, Luka Doncic was a number one quality prospect, went number three, but that's the kind of guy I'm I ha- I'm sort of thinking about here in the comparison because Doncic comes in and year one, you know, it's a little bit rough. The Mavs are kind of in a transition year. It's the end of Dirk and all that stuff. But then as soon as year two comes around, he's, you know, on a very good team, a playoff team that has like an all-time good offense and pushes the Clippers pretty hard. We saw again this year, if not for a weaker supporting cast, they probably go through against the Clippers. Is there a chance to you that Cade enters the league and within a couple years is kind of driving contention the way Luca has and you know if it's in Toronto obviously it's got a bit of a better supporting cast a more ready-made supporting cast than Dallas even has is that sort of a potential outcome here for Cade or is it going to take a longer time is it sort of a three four five year type of thing where it's not all going to be instant you know the first
0: time he hits the floor that's a tough question 2019 I saw Cade at the under 19 world championships was in Greece and he was on the team with Scotty Barnes, Evan Mobley was on the team, Jalen Suggs, Jalen Green. Mm-hmm. Very talented team that pretty much blew everybody out the waters. And in my notes, I thought that he was very similar to Luka as far as the size, the passing, um, not really going to wow you with like crazy athleticism and explosiveness, but somehow they're able to just get the job done. So I saw the similarities then. I still see them, mm-hmm. but at this point, it's just tough to compare anybody to Luca. I mean, he's been, <laughs> I think, All-NBA twice in two of his three mm-hmm. years. So that's putting a lot of pressure on Cade. And I would hate to, you know, tell people that he's the next Luca. And even if he right. ends up being an all-star twice in his first three years, it's still tough to be compared to Luca because he's, I mean, he's on pace to be like an all-time great. I mean, he's 45 True. and 10 and 15, those type of games in the playoffs. <laughs> I don't really see too many guys being able to do that at such a young age. But if he can be 70% of what Luka is, then you still got good value for a number one pick.
2: Sure. Yeah, that's uh that's well put. And yeah, I'm not meaning at all to sort of compare to Luca or anything like that, because boy, uh, that seems like you're setting yourself up for disappointment. But <laughs> you know, I just I think the way the Raptors are set up, just like the defensive infrastructure with Fred and OG and Pascal and you know Malachi Flynn coming up as a backup guard, like it just seems like there's a pretty good ecosystem for a guy like Kade to pop in, and then it's sort of like you know maybe not year one you're competing, but as you kind of progress, it shouldn't be too long. It's not like a full deep rebuild where you're waiting for other guys to come along and build out the supporting cast. That's kind of already there, which is why I think Cade Cunningham is such an exciting prospect for Raptors fans and why, um, you know, some people weren't so upset with them losing games down the stretch. All right, we're going to round out our chat with the uh, wonderful Raphael Barlow coming up in just one second. We're going to talk about Evan Mobley and Jalen Green after talking about Kate Cunningham there for that whole segment. Uh, So we'll get to that in one second here. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at rockauto.com. There are so many makes and models. There's so many mechanics out there trying to fleece you. It's very terrifying to have a car and to need a part on it fixed but guess what? RockAuto.com is here to save you time and money. Why choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? For example, a Honda Odyssey fuel pump is 353 at a chain store. At RockAuto.com, you're getting that bad boy for $216. That is incredible value and you have no excuse to not go to RockAuto when you need yourself a car part. They've been serving auto parts customers, do-it-yourselfers, professionals, whatever it is, for over 20 years and you just go to their easy-to- catalog you plug in the super super handy uh like again it's super handy you type in the year make model whatever it might be and you get all the parts available for your car or truck it is so so simple go to rockauto.com right now to see all the parts available for your car or truck and like locked on right locked on that is in there how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you there as well amazing selection reliably low prices all the car parts you'll ever need at rockauto.com Today's show is also brought to you by Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. Baseball season's in full swing. The NBA playoffs are going strong. I don't know if you want to bet on the NBA playoffs right now because who the hell knows what's what. But if you do feel bold, you feel like you know what's going to happen, you can throw some money down over at Bet Online before the next pitch, pitch, tip off, face off, head to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news signups. Sign-up bonuses, contest information, and so forth. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. As this is your chance to get into the game, as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts, and be sure to use the promo code Locked On to get that fifty percent welcome bonus. All right, let's finish up the conversation now. Myself, Raphael Barlow, talking about Evan Mobley and Jalen Green in particular before part two runs tomorrow. Enjoy. Uh... I want to dive into some more guys here in that top of the lottery range. You know, Evan Mobley is a guy who in the last actually locked on mock lottery draft we did last week, the Raptors ended up fourth and somehow Mobley fell to four to him there. Obviously, the center position was such an issue for the Raptors this season. Aaron Baines, you know, the rotating sort of cast until Ken Birch came in and stabilized things. And as much as Ken Birch was nice, I think you'd prefer he's not the starting center of the future. He'd be a wonderful backup if they're able to bring him back Um, with Mobley. I mean... I love me a center who defends his ass off and throws cool passes and has some offensive upside that's maybe untapped. That's kind of like my type of prospect. Uh, I'm super fascinated by Mobley. What would you think of the fit of him in Toronto? Um, And does it have to be, do you think, a situation where... They have to jump to two to get him. Like, do you think teams are going to say this guy is very clearly the second best prospect or is there some room for movement there down the board of Suggs or Green or Kaminga, you know, potentially, you know, supplant him at at number two?
0: That's an interesting question because depending on how it shakes out, I think that he's as close to being a lock for number two. But let's say Mm -hmm. Orlando gets the second pick. Mm -hmm. Do you add him along with Wendell Carter and Mo Bamba? And you need – yeah, they probably need some wing help. So I think if Orlando sure. goes number two, then there's a chance he could slide. Or I don't know, if Cleveland really likes Jared Allen, then right. unless they decide that they think that uh, Mobley can play the four and they want to pair them two together in the front court. Um, so that could be something. Maybe even if Golden State keeps their pick. Right. I mean, I, I don't know what's going on with Wiseman, just depending on what you <laughs> who you read. So, but I think if Golden State has their their pick, then they're probably traded. So um I, I, for the most part, I think he would go number two, but I think there is mm-hmm. a chance that he could fall just depending on how everything shakes out in the in the lottery. but i I would love to see him in Toronto also. I'm sure it would draw a lot of comparisons to Bosch, which is one right. of my comparisons for him. Um, and you can make a case and say he's probably a little bit more skilled than Bosch at the same age in their development. So mm-hmm. I think that would be a, a, a pretty good fit there. And I think Nick Nurse would, man, I think Nick Nurse oh, would go ahead. be able to maximize what um, what Evan Moby brings to the table.
2: Yeah, I mean, he'd certainly be a a wonderful uh, sort of correction back to the norm of having good center play, uh, where they went from having 48 minutes of very good center play to uh, basically zero minutes of it for the lion's share of this season. Obviously, you don't want to put too much on a 20-year-old guy coming in and you know being a rookie and all that, but uh, certainly I think he'd start from day one, and you just kind of go from there and, and sort of massage him along. And I have a lot of faith in the Raptors development staff to you know if there are sort of deficiencies in his offensive game things he needs to improve you know the raptors have taken bigs before and turned them into more skilled players pascal siakam being example number one so i think that'd be a really wonderful fit
0: boucher Uh, davis i mean they've just i'm a big (laughs) fan i mean van vliet like it doesn't matter the position i mean i feel like if you know, I got on with the Raptors. They can make me at least uh, <laughs> a serviceable third string G League guard. I, I'm, that's how high I am on their uh, on their development program. And I've you know, yeah. been saying it for for a while on all my podcasts that whoever goes there, I think they, they'd be in a really good situation.
2: Yeah. And so that leads me to a couple other guys in the top four range. Uh, Jalen Suggs and Jalen Green. I I find myself really interested by Green. And I'm curious, you know, I kind of talked about off the top how I think in addition to center, the sort of wing position, getting a scoring guard who can kind of alleviate some of the burden on Fred and Pascal and OG to create in the half court would be a really nice thing to add to this mix. And Green, in particular, seems like he's kind of rising up a little bit in terms of people's boards. Maybe people are kind of buying in a little bit more on him as a defender. Um, And it just feels like that's a guy who, if the Raptors, you know, if it's a third or fourth pick and he falls to them, they'd be super happy with it. You know, what's your sort of read on Green as a prospect? Are you as high on him as it seems like the recent consensus seems to be kind of, you know, on the trajectory for And what do you think of the potential fit with the Raptors?
0: So I've been up and down on Green. I saw him at a high school game maybe two years ago. It was was his junior year, I believe. And I thought this guy is clear-cut number one player in the draft when he comes out. Then when I saw him play at the under-19s in 2019, like I said, he was on the team with Mobley, Cade, Jalen Suggs. um, uh, Tyrese Halliburton was on that team. I thought, even though that team was so talented, I felt like he struggled a little bit playing with that much talent. So they ended up bringing mm-hmm. him off the bench. And so because the competition wasn't that great, he was still able to score his points, but it didn't seem like a a seamless fit with him in the lineup where he had to share the ball and there was other guys that were you know, just as good or, or on the same level. Even though they were mm-hmm. blowing the teams out, it seems like there was a little struggle. And he was again, best serve to come off the bench. So I thought that was going to be a struggle, and I thought playing in the G League would really be able to, uh, I guess, show if he's able to play without having such a high usage. Well, he gets to the G League, and everything is kind of ran for him, And which later on I started to realize it's in the benefit of the G League Ignite program to have Green and Kaminga do really, really well, because if they don't, Mm -hmm. if their stock falls, then that pretty much kills the league. So – Saying all that to say this, on one hand, I felt like they put him in the best position to succeed and maintain his draft stock, but he also played well and he showed that, you know, he can score. I mean, he averaged 18 a game. And I, I don't know if it was a quote coming from him. I could be wrong, but I want to say I read something where he said that if he were in college and had the same buzz, he felt like he would have been the no brainer number one pick. You felt right. like the exposure in college was actually bigger than the G League as far as with Kate Cunningham. So I think if Toronto gets him, you still get a guy who, you know, could possibly be a, a number one pick. And in his mind, he feels mm-hmm. like he's the best scorer and the best player in his draft. I was impressed with uh, the shooting. I thought that he, I mean, the numbers weren't great, but 46% from the floor was, was pretty impressive. The three-point percentage at 36 was pretty good. Shot a good percentage from the free throw line. Thought he did well rebounding, even though he's probably like 160 pounds. And he showed strides as a passer. One of my questions about him going into the season was his passing. Even though his assist to turnover ratio was pretty much even, I felt like he showed enough flashes that he will be able to to be a decent playmaker and make Mm -hmm. players better as opposed to being like a guy who – can only create shots for himself. Sure. So as far and as I the mean, fit to he, Toronto, I, I think that yeah. again, like I've said, I think you can pretty much pencil anyone with the Raptors core, and I think it's a good fit. <laughs> but for him, he'd um, you know, he doesn't have to score 30 points every game. He can, you know, develop slowly. He'll have veterans, he has defenders around him. And again, he doesn't have to be the number one scoring option as he would if he would if he went to some of the other teams. So I think it would be a, a pretty good fit. And yeah, I, I think that Toronto would get him stronger. And like I've said, I've seen Toronto make something out of nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and giving them something is actually pretty scary.
2: Yeah, it's pretty exciting to think about what they can do with like a top flight prospect for the first time ever. It's uh it's got me Pretty intrigued. And and yeah, Green, I mean, I think the fit is nice too, even if the playmaking isn't like totally there. You know, you got Fred, who is obviously an improved playmaker. Pascal, I mean, I thought his playmaking this season, the growth he made in that department was probably the most important improved skill among any Raptor all season long. And and I think that'll sort of translate well to if he does become more of a second option and he does become maybe sort of a guy who's creating for others like green can be a guy who can leverage that and uh you know make teams pay i mean he was pascal was spending this entire season passing to you know stanley johnson and deandre benbury mm-hmm. in the corner with three dudes kind of in his grill yeah. uh if you can kind of spray to jalen green kind of becomes a diff- bit of a different animal and you know green can kind of you know start off as a secondary option but maybe sort of level up as his his you know first couple seasons go along if he were to end up there so i'm pretty intrigued about green for sure all right. We are at the end of today's podcast. We'll leave it there. I'll cut out the conversation. And tomorrow we will start things off with Jalen Suggs' talk before getting into the guys in that 7 8 range, as Raphael alluded to. Kind of an interchangeable collection of guys. We talk about Kai Jones. We talk about Moses Moody and a whole bunch more. So hope you enjoy that tomorrow. Stay tuned for it and uh, get ready for more draft stuff, obviously, as the draft is going to take over our lives for the next month and two weeks or so. Um, but thank you so much for tuning in. Of course, please go to my Pin tweet to see all the information for our watch party on tuesday it's going to be a blast i really can't advertise it enough uh come hang out it's going to be wonderful and i want to see all your beautiful faces as the raptors uh maybe or do, do or do not move up in the draft lottery uh, I have other stuff as well going on. You can go read my Pascal Siakam piece over at Raptors HQ. I got some nice response to that, so please go and check it out if you have not yet, about why Pascal Siakam was in fact good this season, despite all the, uh, you know, annoying online discourse to the contrary. Uh, also, I have some news as well that dropped yesterday with the CEBL, the Canadian Elite Basketball League. Of course, the league I've done play-by-play for for the, for the first couple years of its existence. I am now going to be hosting a weekly cebl show on cebl plus it's going to be uh you know part panel show part highlight show part fun little you know goofy segment show it's going to be a ton of fun and uh i really hope you watch it it's going to be on cebl plus you can subscribe for like 17.99 for the year for all the bonus content and all the games are free so there's no reason not to sign on up the cebl is going to have far fewer injured stars than the nba i can promise you that out of the gate uh anyway Thank you so much for tuning in part two with Raphael coming up tomorrow. And we'll talk to you then with another episode of locked on Raptors. Bye-bye.
1: Wilson, you sent the game winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a four 55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it?
0: I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a
2: doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense.
1: Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey Prime members, you can listen to this locked-on podcast ad-free on
0: Amazon Music.